Are you ready to address the long-term health issues that are slowing down your happiness? It's time to make your health a top priority. Visit HealthyDays.com and click the free call button to begin on the road to restore and reclaim your health. Bring your body back to balance and have the energy for the people and things that are important so you can enjoy a full and happy life once again. Take the next step in your journey by visiting HealthyDays, spelled D-A-E-S, dot com. What habit or what thing did you keep in mind for yourselves individually as you were watching videos or reading the book or or what have you? Yeah, for me, it was it's working out. I want to be a morning person. I want to work out every single day. That's my goal. <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, mine's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> What's the laugh? This laugh. <laughs> It's like, oh, I'll never happen. No, 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 no. It's like. <laughs> Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today, we are joined by April Frazier, confidence coach, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Influencer. Jendai Jackson, owner of Jendai Asha Creative, also known as The Entrepreneur. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. Lawrence Rassall, The Weekend Chef, also known as The Artisan. Welcome back to the Jealous Vegan Podcast. We're so excited to have you with us today. We're taking a moment to think about how we want to set ourselves up for success in 2021. And so in that vein, we have been reading, listening to, reviewing a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And just a quick synopsis of this book, Atomic Habits is the definitive guide to breaking bad behaviors and adopting good ones in four steps, showing you how small, incremental, everyday routines compound into massive positive change over time. Do you all agree with that synopsis of the book? Mm-hmm. Yep, I think it's pretty clear. And we wanted to bring it in because how does this relate to vegan, the jealous vegan food and habits and all these things? We are advocates for a good positive habit change. And part of that happens at the dinner table or at any table when you're eating. So it dovetails nicely into how the way we eat and the way we think and the way we create our lives and our reality, exercise and all those things, it is a critical component to any healthy wellness journeys, establishing those daily habits, atomic habits. What I like about the book specifically is it points out the atomic piece, which makes it really small, right? Adam is a very small piece of a larger thing. And so it points out different tiny ways or atomic ways that we can change habits, create habits that serve us and also dismissing habits that do not serve us. Yeah. And what's, what's nice about the book is that it breaks it down into four easy to understand steps. And I can't remember what they're called, but it starts with the Q and then I know it ends with, uh, with a reward, but to take it back a step, I remember reading in the introduction or in the earlier chapters before it gets into the four steps of the framework, even though these habits are small and they're tiny, the goal is to help you fulfill your potential. That's a pretty huge statement. You know, this is helping us to figure out our lives and who we want to become. It's, and I remember it said the quality of our lives depends on the quality of our habits. So it's a pretty grandiose type of a 
thing that we're striving for by these small little teeny 1% better everyday habits. I like that you said that, Jenny, just because it, there's something else in the book about every time you perform a behavior that's in service of your goals, it's like you're voting for your future self. Yes. What Jenny's referring to is part of the four laws of behavior change. And under that kind of environment design, he talks about cue, crave, response, and reward. So those are the, the four things you can either search for in the, in the book or in a, a Blinkist or other snippet um, to find out more about what she's referring to right there. I found this really interesting because I think that we all are caught in this idea that, and as the author talks about, not just in the book, but in various talks he's given um, that you can find on YouTube, and we can link to a couple in the show notes, but this idea that there has to be this major transformative thing that happens in order for you to become the person that you want to be. I, I think the term is eating an elephant. Right. It becomes sometimes the goal seems so audacious and beyond the scope of what I can do as an individual human that you are almost demoralized before you even begin. The idea that, no, it's not these goals that matter, but really the systems that you're going to set up in service of the person you want to become, that you're able to start to make those transformative changes little by little. There's a guy in the book, too, who he gives an example of he wanted to work out and wanted to get healthy for his son. And his idea was part of the system was to make it easy and also to have this accountability. So he, his trainer, he had to pay his trainer. I, don't remember, I can't remember exactly, but he had to pay his trainer if he missed his workout. His wife got to $100. something else if he worked out. 500 If he missed the weigh-in. Yeah. He, he paid his trainer $100 if he missed the uh, workout session. He paid his wife $500 if he missed a weigh-in. Which, of course, is incentivizing because you're just like, I'm not trying to buy my wife a new handbag every time I miss a weigh-in. <laughs> <laughs> but creating those boundaries. I think that was even a contract, too, right, what he had with his, his trainer. And there was a different guy or maybe the same guy. I can't remember who his idea. The idea was like never miss twice. Still trying to work out. So he would go to the gym. The idea being he could stay in the gym for two minutes. And as long as he stayed in the gym for how, that long... He met it. And then ultimately, over time, as he built that habit of being in the gym at the same time every day, he was able to actually build to start to add on to that goal. And that's I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is that to your point, Jen, of of it's not this one major change that happens overnight and suddenly I'm this new person. But the habits build over time, tiny votes, basically, for I'm going to do this thing today and all I'm focused on is doing it today and tomorrow I'll focus on doing it tomorrow so that I never miss twice building up to ultimately this this record and this uh, this body of work that speaks to who we want to be. It breaks it down really simply. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and I did try it. I was uh, he talks about habit tracking and I did try working out. I'm looking at it on my wall right now. And it's like, OK, I'm going to run a mile every day. Run a mile every day. And that was my goal. Was, I'm running outside. So, of course, there would be days where I would miss because of rain or something. I just couldn't get it. But when I started being cognizant and writing it down every day, did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it? I'm looking at the wall. It was like a mile, a mile, a mile. And then maybe I'd miss a day, but then I'd come back and it'd be a mile and a half. And then I'd go three days and then I might miss a day, but then I'd come back. And then was, it was really helpful, like not want to break my record with the running. So it, there was just definitely something to it. Yeah. I had a question in mind for the group and April, you, you already answered it, but I found it really helpful to have a habit in mind as I was going through the book. So my question is what habit or what 
thing did you keep in mind for yourselves individually as you were watching videos or reading the book or or what have you? Yeah, for me, it was it's working out. I want to be a morning person. I want to work out every single day. That's my goal <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, mine's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> What's the laugh? This laughter. <laughs> It's like, oh, it'll never happen. No, 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 no. It's like, you know how there are two voices in your head? One that's like, yes, you're going to do that. And the second voice like, no, you're not. You're tripping, right? Like, and so I do, I do it. And then I fall back. I do it and I fall back. So the laughter is my second self. Like, <laughs> Can we back up for just a second? Because I'd like to, for those who haven't read the book, I want to lay just a little bit of a foundation of what we're talking about. So one of the first things that the author talks about is the 1% rule. And that habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. So for every habit that you make, he said, if you improved 1% every day, by the end of one year, you'd be 37 times better than you were at the beginning, right? And so the idea is these little things really do add up to make a huge difference in your life, but that too many of us get caught in this like valley of disappointment where we're making changes, all right? And this habit is building, but we don't see the benefit of it soon enough. And so we end up quitting, Cause we're like, ah, this isn't working. And then we just go back to whatever it is that we have become accustomed to from the habits we've built throughout our lives. So that's the first part of it is that if we just did this 1% better every day, we would have really the compound interest that, that would benefit us. That's sort of a segue for me, as far as answering uh, Dindy's question for me, we all know Jennifer is a neat freak and we love this <gasps> house what? clean. <laughs> and I'm not quite there. I'm an organized person, but I'm not the cleanest person when it comes to keeping things together. So to answer your question, Tindy, for me, taking that same concept that Jennifer mentioned, as far as uh, not necessarily saying that I'm going to keep my room clean all of the time, because that's that's the big end goal. However, the small steps or the one per, 1% per day is just making sure that when I come in, when I take my clothes off, that I hang them up as opposed to laying them in the chair. Or when I finish eating something in my room, I'm going to take that bowl back into the kitchen where it belongs and, and put it away as opposed to allowing things to, to uh, add up. So that's what I really appreciated about that whole concept of making small goals instead of being overwhelmed and, and feeling though you failed because you didn't meet that goal. And so really what Lawrence is talking about is the second point, which is to focus on systems as opposed to goals. So your system is when I come in the house, I will hang up my clothes when I take them off. So by following that system, it allows you to be productive or successful in building upon a habit so that eventually you will be the neat person that you want to be, neat and organized person you want to be. You also make it easier for the next wave of that habit, right? So if you have a place where everything goes, then when you're, it's like kind of like an affordance, you are making it easier for the next habit to load. So whatever that may be, if you working out, since that's my theme right now, working out, your keys are by the door, you know where your shoes are because that's where you put them. So you're setting up one habit to stack. I think that was the other, another thing that stood out to me was a habit stacking. You're setting up habits to stack so that you can build and make it easy for the next habit to start to come into fruition. Part of that section in an interview that the author gave is he talks about Bill Walsh, who's a Super Bowl winning coach of the San Francisco 49ers back in like the 80s, early 90s. And his attitude was the score takes care of itself. And so he didn't focus on, of course, 
to win the game, you have to have the highest score at the end. But his attitude was the score will take care of itself. We're going to do these things throughout the course of the 60 minutes to make sure that we are the winning team. And I was curious if you have something in your life that you think of that way. I mean, for me, I think it's always fitness for me. (laughs) But that's one thing that I thought was interesting in the book. I mean, the 1% rule wasn't new to me. I know it has the butterfly effect, right? And I wrote a whole blog about it because I think it's really important. But I think people, especially like in the fitness industry, they're like, you know, I want to have abs or like people are are going for the outcome and they're not doing the stuff in the middle and they're not being patient with themselves. When really, like if you were just consistent, you would see those results a lot faster. But because you stop and you start and you stop and you start and you get frustrated because you don't have abs yet and you stop and you start, it takes you longer to get to the goal than than it would have if you were just like consistent. And I think that we, we probably see that in so many things in our life, but fitness is the thing that stands out to me. And like to answer Jindy's question, like the thing that I thought about moving forward was like, uh, I'm like April, I'd like to work out in the morning because I just feel like that's the best routine for me. It sets the tone for the day. And so I started like journaling when I get up and little did I, it, it, they talk about um in the book, he talks about habits are based on right the the close the many and the powerful right and I saw that even in my own life where like I started getting up and I'm gonna journal and the next thing I know my husband was like getting up and also with me in the morning and then he was like oh actually I'll work out with you at seven o'clock too and it made me think of like the close the many and the powerful because he's just like well you're here and you're who I'm always with and you are starting these habits that ultimately he wanted to do too, just didn't have the motivation to do. And we were able to help each other in that, in that way. So. And for audience, for your benefit, Lisa speaking to close to many, the powerful she's speaking to who has influence over you, who, who we're influenced by. I see it in business. So many groups I'm in are just like, focus on the money. I made this much money, 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 money. Right. And I fell into the trap. I need to make this much money, blah, blah, blah. But I found that when I had the the habit of what aligns to my business plan, which is deep connection and service. When I focus on the habit of deep service and serving the person right in front of me, the metrics, the external metrics I'm trying to create will show up naturally. Like just like the score, the score is a result of the habit that I'm in. I find it true in my volunteer work, my spiritual work. Like if I'm focused on, I need all these external metrics and all these, you know, things I need to clock and some who, somebody's going to see the numbers. <laughs> That takes me out of focusing right on the person in front of me and what they need most. And by virtue of being in service to them, the everything else I think I want to measure shows up much more naturally and organically. Yeah, I thought about this in relation to uh, fitness as well. I did try habit stacking to the point where I was not allowed to leave my bedroom until I worked out at least 15 minutes in the morning. So it was like, get up. And attach that habit to working out immediately in the morning. And I think in the book, he also talked about environmental design. Like you design your space or your environment around the habits that you want. And so I put out my clothes, you know, my my fitness clothes at the end of my bed so that I walked into them and it made it a lot easier for me to do that. But I, along the lines of what April just said, I'm interested in trying to figure out how to apply this to business. I haven't figured it out yet, but I do realize I work throughout the day. Like I constantly have my laptop next to me or in my lap 
to do something, but I, and that prevents me from feeling like I accomplished something in particular. Like I, I just go hard all day and I want to figure out how to take some of these, uh, these ideas that Mr. Clear has put in his book and transfer it to business. And I haven't, I haven't laid that out yet. Yeah. I like that part where he mentioned, or he was interviewed, I should say, and he mentioned how he wanted to eat more apples. And so he would buy these apples and he would put them in, in his refrigerator in the crisper. And over a period of time, because he didn't see them, the apples would go bad. So what Jindy was saying is, if we want to incorporate something, we need to have that item or whatever it is that we want to do in close proximity to us. So he said he would put the bowl of the apples in a visible place so that when he would come in, he would see it. He would eat more apples. I thought that it makes sense. So as a whole, I definitely want to incorporate doing those things as well in all aspects, food and non-food items, habits. I think it was in the reward section, but he talked about this guy who, you know, he had the two jars on his desk and he had like a hundred paper clips in it. And every time he made a sales phone call, he would move one paper clip to, from one container to the other container. And his goal was to get those paper clips moved over. So I was thinking like in terms of business, if you have like, you know, I don't know, action items or something that you need to do, you just, okay, I have 10 action items. So I have 10 paper clips in this jar. And every time I finish one of the things that's on my list, I can move that paper clip over. And at the end of the day, if you see that you've moved them all over, you're like, all right, today was a success, you know, and that might be a good way to to manage like feeling like you are successful, even though, you know, it's it, maybe it's not like you sit. I have a hard time <laughs> sitting down and accomplishing anything for any like length of time. And so I find that I can get stuff done, but it's 30 minutes here and then I need a break and I'm going to do this. And oh, yeah, I'm going to clean the shower. And oh, yeah, I'm going to go back <laughs> to doing that thing. But if I can get it done or not even in the day, maybe in a couple of days, if I can get it done, even though it's broken up, I still feel like it was a success. Yeah, the thing that occurred for me was like front loading too, like all the important habits up front. Like what I started to notice as I was playing in this space, I tried the paperclip experiment. I actually do have my paperclips around here somewhere, but I decided to move that to electronic place where I started keeping track. And I did start to notice with the habit the numbers that I wanted to see started to shift. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like just the process of doing the habit. And what happened was that I started to notice that the workout would line up and then I'd eat more healthfully because I'd just worked out and then I'd be more energized to journal. And then I'd be really clear about all the things, these things I'd working on and trying to like accomplish. How do I accomplish it? I've been noshing on those things as a result, I guess, of being energized by the workout would like, drop down into my brain and then I'd be able to scribble those things down and then I could sit down and do my habit. It would be like things would line up much more smoothly and then I'd have all this day. I'd be I'd be done by 10 o'clock and then have all this day to f go do something else. It's really interesting how I, I feel like I I will spread out the things that I need to do in a day. But actually, I realized I could get a lot more done in two hours if I stacked it. My response to the idea about the score takes care of itself is really tied to the third thing that the author talks about, which is that identity change is the North Star of habit change. And really, our belief system about who we are is connected to our ability to transform ourselves. And so it's that thought process or that belief system that really dominates us, as opposed to what Lisa said. People are like, I want they're focused on the outcome of, you know, abs as opposed to 
I'm someone who exercises or trains my core daily. So just changing the way we think about ourselves might make a difference. And so my example uh, for Jindy around business is for the last 25 years or so, I've worked in a job where I was paid on commissions. Uh, so sometimes that was 30% of my pay. Sometimes it was 60% of my pay. And so the idea was if ever I focused on here's my goal or my quota and I need to sell X amount to get to that number, it would give me such high anxiety. I could almost never do my job. And so what I learned a long time ago was I don't focus and and I hope my manager's not listening, but I don't focus on my quota, right? I don't focus on how many of the widgets I have to sell to get to that number because that will drive me crazy. What I've done instead is I've want, I've created an identity where I am going to serve my customers such that I will always be their first thought when it comes to the product that we provide. So if I take care of people well enough, they will always come to me first. And by the end of the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, I will have accumulated enough sales to get to my number. And I'd say that out of 25 years, it's probably worked 20 of those years. And so I think it's a combination of both the system and the identity that's allowed me to be successful in that space because I don't worry about the score. I worry about, like like on a football analogy, I worry about every single down. Did I do my job on this down? And if so, then I'm in a better position on second, third, and eventually fourth down. To me, I think that's one way that we can take this information and make it applicable to like a business life. What's your identity? I'm a healthy person. I'm a runner. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a voiceover artist. Whatever that thing is, can we create the identity and the belief system so that we can align our process and our outcomes to that end goal? That's an interesting take on it. I think... What also occurs to me as you were talking, Jen, was the concept of identity. I think this is, it works on both sides. Like in some areas, we may feel like, yes, I want to change my identity. Like I am a vegan. I am a exercise person, right? Like I am. But then in some ways, I think we hold on to the identity that keeps us stuck. Like I am, <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, I'm black. So, you know, of course I eat chicken. And I'm just like, mm, what does that mean? Well, OK, so but but it speaks to a person say and, and my, how I interpret it was like you un, you understand that being black means you eat fried chicken. And so if you don't eat fried chicken, then are you black? And it's a you know very crude example. But just the idea being that, like, I'm a part of this community and we do this. And so I must do this as well in order to belong to that community. And that could potentially be a reason we don't as easily change identity and adopt a new habit that steps outside of what we expect. And I think that's important to notice because sometimes the identity that we've constructed can maybe keep us from, from doing what we really want to do. And I see that pop very often in coaching. It's like, oh, I got it. So you belong to a certain community or have a certain identity as a fixer or doer or people rely on you. And that's why you do everything <laughs> without checking if this is still in service to you or if this is still the identity that you want. I think sometimes, too, in certain communities, there's like there's a left and a right and there's nothing in the middle. Right. I found this to be true with fitness when I was like, you know, I'm a fitness person. Yeah, but I don't fit into this box and I don't fit into that one. And so, like, where do I find the place where I can feel comfortable calling myself this type of person when I don't fit into either of those two categories? 
honestly, for everybody, that's that's your own journey to figure out. I decided I was just going to create my own. I was going to create my own lane and my own space and find the people who were like me that probably also feel like they don't have a voice or are not represented in their community. But I wouldn't say it's hard to do. It's it's tedious to do. And you definitely have to put some like some thought into it and be okay with, you know, maybe being the only one for some time. But I think I agree with both April and Jen in that, you know, you have to be careful not to let the identity define you. But I do think, and the point that he's making in the book is to find your identity and to be able to say that and verbalize it and to stand in it is very powerful. And so when you say, I am vegan, (laughs) right? Even if you're not 100% vegan all the time, you're always going to remember that. Like, I said I was vegan. And so it, it kind of holds you to a line to a certain degree, which could be a good thing as long as, you know, you don't hold yourself to something that's just truly not your identity. You know, like if you're eating chicken every day and you're like, I'm a vegan, well, like now now you got to talk about something because that's not, that's not even close to your identity. And at that point, it's like you're not even really trying. Right. If you're if you're eating chicken every day. So I think there is a, a fine line there of. Stepping into your identity and not letting it define you, but wanting it to define you <laughs> if it truly does. And creating it, right? You can create, if this identity doesn't work, you can change their identity at any time and create what you want. I think what I see commonly is that people don't actively create their identity. They kind of hold to what they think, they, who they think they are or who their family has told them they are or who whatever their credentials or whatever background tells them that they are. And I think to shift into habits, new habits, there's some sense of an identity change to go from Jen's example, 600 pound life to I'm a fit person. That's an identity change. People are going to see you and probably be like, whoa, girl, you look good. What happened? That is an identity change. And in order to come into that place, you've got to let go of, of an identity that doesn't serve. One thing I really appreciate about another thing, I don't know if Jen was going to bring this up, but as far as the concept of thinking about the the end game or the end goal of what we want and to think back and think about all the things that potentially could go wrong and why we couldn't get to that goal and to attack those those pitfalls, so to speak. I thought that was remarkable and a, a good way to um, correct a lot of these issues that we have, we, we tend to kind of get to the point where we have this big sort of outcome and we want to get there. And then every time we fail, we kind of fall back and start at, you know, stage one. So I like the concept where he was saying that we could um, identify those issues up front and try to tackle those before they actually happen. We'll be much more successful. And that, of course, that we, we're talking about plant based eating, um, but that's also habit change as well. I like the idea that habits are about frequency and not about time. And I think too often in my life, I've thought about how long will it take me to get to wherever I want to be, as opposed to how often do I need to do this to get to where I want to be? And so really, we have the power to create a new habit in as much or as little time as we choose, depending on our ability to dedicate ourselves to performing that action and creating our new identity. So that really stood out to me. Oh, you just made me think of something that was really powerful for me, Jen. He talked about bamboo and how he said bamboo takes, you know, three years to establish itself with little or almost no visible growth above ground. 
But once it does, it can explode in the air, 90 feet in the air in just a, a matter of, of weeks. And so the idea being that I think bamboo, actually some of some types of bamboo can grow as much as three feet a day, but it takes three years to establish itself. And so the idea being that it's building all the time, but the progress may not be visibly discernible or there may be very little visible progress. And yet there is still progress when it's ready, when the timing is right, it will explode. And I think I took that very personally as a business owner, as a spiritual person, as a newlywed, as all the things that's very personally is like the visible discernible pieces of progress are come online, so to speak, as a result of the underground work and to give myself space and give myself time to work on the underground things, so to speak, trusting that the visible results will appear with that repeated habit of voting for my future self. I love it. Is that your 2021 focus, April? I don't have one yet. I don't have one yet, but that's definitely probably my chief takeaway from the book was like, yes, yes. And I just, I just been passing it on. Yeah. I was going to say, um, in relation to 2021, I'm glad that we're talking about this now. I read the book a while ago in another book club, but reviewing this with you guys has made me think about 2021 and putting into effect some of the things that I've learned from the book. Cause right now, I guess right now I feel really discombobulated I don't know if it has to do with the pandemic or I, I did did just babysit my nephew for uh, the past eight, nine days. And so that was a lot. And I couldn't stick to any routines at all, spiritual or, or fitness or otherwise. Congratulations for surviving, Jenny. You survived. <laughs> Thank you. you. made it. <laughs> and so this, this is really apropos for me right now because I need to reevaluate some things. I need to figure out what I want to habit stack or what environmental changes I want to make or what identity I want to create for myself as I go into the new year and not, and not wait for the new year. Cause we don't have to wait for anything, but to pull this back out of the, the library, so to speak, so that I can reassess where I want to be as I create this new version of myself or fulfill my true potential. For me, I think the thing that resonated the most is that we don't have a lack of motivation. We have a lack of clarity. And so truly identifying who I am, who I want to be, and then establishing the systems that will allow me to get to that point will have far more sustainability than just getting a big dose of motivation um, one morning or one week. So that's what I'm focused on doing. One thing that I'm going to work on that um, he mentioned is uh, just reading more and being a pro is taking in that knowledge and in inadvertently, I don't care what it is that you do. When you read more about that subject, you, you become the pro, you become just that a, a pro. And so I'm going to work on reading up on just plant-based eating and just other things that I'm working on to improve uh, who I am. I think mine is that, uh, I mean, this is kind of me in life, but I just always am looking for like ways to grow, to grow as a person, to just grow in my understanding and like how I navigate the world. And so I don't think I have anything new for 2021, but just to continue. And I have some very specific ways in which I want to grow uh, emotionally and 
and to deal with some some things that I, I need to deal with and to like really grow as a person into like my full potential as a person. So I'm going to like charge forward with that in 2021. I'm excited about that. But I think, I mean, I say this all the time, but I think mm, people were not any different than plants or anything else in this universe, right? We're meant to grow. We're meant to change and thrive. And and, uh, society tells us like, you're supposed to get to this point and then this is it. You know, you get a job, you work that job until you retire. And like, this is, but, ah, no. There's so much to, to like learn. And I'm kind of on the um I'm kind of on the other side of Lawrence where I do think that, you know, the more you learn something, you do become a pro. But I feel like you're never an expert. Never, ever, ever are you an expert because there's always something to learn. Even in society, the science, there's always something new, something changing. So, you know, at the very point in which you feel like you're an expert and you don't need to learn anything else, you're you're behind because everything has has advanced you. And so. I'm um, just always looking to learn and grow and however my life changes, right? My roles in life could change and I'm, I want to lean into all of that. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take two minutes and leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. And in the meantime, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. Progress.